Cartoon Boom! Hello everybody, welcome to Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we wake up with the Saturday morning sun, popped on the floor with the Big World of Sugar Zero, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new! I'm Joseph. And I have an egg inside of me. My name's Chris. And this morning, we watched Morabito, Guardian of the Spirit. I want to shine on you And no one's like that dazzling sound I will defend you from all the darkness This is the truth from my heart I still don't know what Moribito is I don't, or means. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know. I don't understand what that that means. If it's a name of something... Maybe we would learn later on Morabito was the name of something the whole time. And we'll be like, whoa, like what if it's like a Citizen Kane type thing where at the end, it's just, it, yeah, it was a, it's sled. Just a sled, a sled. Oh, dang. <laughs> the whole time. Whoa. Morabito was the sled. Yeah. No, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the journey. It was the Morabitos we met along the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Uh, this was suggested to us by <laughs> MF Mad via Reddit, so thank you very much, MFMAD. I, I always say MFMAD, but what if that's not how it's supposed to be? Re like, what if it's not supposed to be initialed? Well, if it's MFMAD. I'm pretty sure it's naughty words, but I don't, I don't, I will not say oh. them on this kid-friendly show. Oh, wow, I didn't even think of that. You're a genius. You're a dirty genius. I just think he's that mad, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. You dirty, dirty genius, you. <laughs> so the show Morbito Guarding the Spirit aired in 2007. This is based on the Morbito Guarding the Spirit novel written by Nohoko Wihashi in 1996, written and directed by Kinji Kamiyama, produced by Production IG, licensed by Sentai Filmworks in North America and MVM Entertainment in the UK. This ran for one season, 26 episodes. In Japan, originally ran on the NHK BS2 network, which sound, rolls right off the tongue. That is so many things yeah <laughs> in north america uh neon alley and then the u.s Ooh. specifically adult swim for a short synopsis the second empress hires a spear-wielding woman to save her son from the mikado emperor who believes the young prince is possessed by a water demon foretold to bring a terrible drought upon the land should he live that's uh, man what a conundrum you know <laughs> what a conundrum to live in it's kind of like, um, it, it's sort of like uh, Encanto, you know, when your family member just gets a, a real bad omen told about them, and then you have to try to get them killed, you know? Isn't that Encanto? Yeah, but it's kind of like The Exorcist, where your daughter gets possessed by Pazuzu, and then you're like, well, what do we do? Do we, do we kill her, or do yeah. we just kind of exercise her? But I don't know. I guess exorcism is not an option in this case. Yeah, it's unfortunate demons have the goofiest names and stuff like Pazuzu. Like, to me, that <laughs> sounds just like a little, um, I don't know, like some sort of off-brand name, like a company that makes kazoos specifically that you get at Dollar General's. Like, get a Pazuzu! <laughs> like, you know. Pazuzu sounds like a, a tiny clown to me. <laughs> like a tiny clown boy, like a little miniature clown. But like, do you mean like like I'm thinking when you say that I'm thinking of a clown that's like you know maybe a half foot tall, but like completely proportional 
and like is still sentient, like, you know, does his own thing and everything. Well, I mean, we could go that far. I wasn't thinking Indian in the cupboard size. I was thinking like yeah. two feet, three feet tall, maybe just a tiny clown, mm. an adorable tiny clown who doesn't speak, but he honks his nose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Pazuzu. Ooh, that'd be that'd be rough. That That would still be <laughs> terrifying somehow. Like it went from kind of funny to, well, now we're back to scary territory. How did we do that? We came full circle. What would make it really scary is if you're in a really echoey hallway in the darkness running from him and you just hear the squeaks uh-huh. and then you hear like a slow when he squeezes it real slow. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's that's my nightmare now. Yeah. What if he looked like uh, you remember that I sent you recently? I sent you a, a clown sketch that I did when I was like 15 or 16 because I was I was <laughs> oh, going yeah. through a bunch of old stuff because I was getting rid of. Um, getting rid of things I don't need because uh, my wife's out of town and when she's gone I can get rid of stuff and so I was going through things and I found all these sketches I did when I was a kid and and I found this creepy clown sketch I did which like man I don't know what was wrong with me but it's this creepy clown doing the like Khmer finger and like what if that's what Pazuzu looked like you know but real small mm, I'm still feeling miniature clown yeah. personally well, I mean, he he's still a clown, but just p- take that picture and like maybe that's the size he is because it's not a very big picture, you know. Maybe I have a specific image in my head, and I don't know. I, okay. Now it's terrifying to me, um, and I will always fear that. And if I'm walking down dark hallways, it, it, once this episode comes out, someone reminded me because I'll forget, and then I'll send the picture I drew <laughs> when I was a teenager of my little Pazuzu. Oh, what a great little my little Pazuzu. Like, instead of my buddy. <laughs> God, we went off on a weird tangent, yeah. didn't we? Uh, can we stop talking about clowns now? All right. No. Who are some of the actors who played in this show? All right. So it is not clown related. <laughs> well, not yet. Uh, Balsa was voiced in Japan by Mabuki Ando, and then in America by Cindy Robinson, Prince Chagum by Naoto Adachi, and Mona Marshall. Tanda, voiced by Koji Sujitani and Peter Doyle. Madam Torogai voiced by Akumayama and Barbara Goodson. Toya, voiced by Mayumi Asano and Yuri Lowenthal. We, I feel like we just had Yuri Lowenthal in one of the, the last ones we just did. I know we did. That name sounds super familiar. Uh, Goof Troop? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We, we just did Afro Samurai. He was in Afro Samurai. Oh, Afro Samurai, he was the bear, yes. the bear ninja. <laughs> Kuma. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Shuga was voiced by Hirofumi Nojima uh, and Steve Staley. Zen, voiced by Kenichi Mochizuki, Michael McConaughey. And then Jin, voiced by Masaya Matsukazi and Jason Miller. And we'll stop there. And I'm not going to go into all those peoples because that's just going to be a real long time. But they all did a good job. There you go. That's that's what we know. They did good. Nice job, everyone. Good, here. Golf claps. There you go. Yeah. Thanks. And for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Morabito cereal. No, say the whole thing. Say it all. <laughs> uh, and for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Morabito Guardian of the Spirit cereal. There we go. This is a Japanese novel that was first published in July 1996. It is the first in the 12 volume Morabito series of Japanese fantasy novels by Nohoko Wihashi. It was a recipient of the Batchelder Award for an ALA notable children's book in 2009. It has since been adapted into numerous media, including radio, manga, anime, and taiga drama 
adaptations, which I think is just a live action adaptation of it. Because I saw that there was one that came out in 2016. And then the anime series adaptation premiered on Adult Swim in the U.S. on uh, August 24, 2008 but was dropped from the schedule without warning or explanation on January 15, 2009, after two runs of the first 10 episodes. And the program then returned to Adult Swim during the summer of 2009 lineup with an airing of the entire series. What? Wait, okay. I don't know. Hang on. So so they ran episodes one through 10. Twice. They did it again. Like Adult Swim was just like, oh yeah, people were really into this. Instead of letting them watch all of this, let's just run the first 10 episodes again and then they were like oh man people are upset now that we did that let's just cancel it and and then later they were like oh oh dang they they wanted to see all of it oh okay fine yeah in like a a four and a half month period 10 episodes were shown twice and then cut off until the following year or until later that year that makes no sense yeah you know to be fair I feel like they did that with Cowboy Bebop a lot, too, on Adult Swim, because I feel like those episodes were always out of order, like constantly. So, I mean, I, I love Adult Swim yeah. for introducing me to a lot of good shows and a lot of anime, you know, the Toonami slash Adult Swim. But y'all didn't get your 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 ducks in a row over there, did you? You were just throwing whatever at the wall and just like, eh, I don't know, show number eight, then number two, and then... I don't know, show episodes 7 through 24 and then do it a second time and then, I don't know, maybe we'll show the end but, next year. But you'll year. never see episode, you'll never see episode 6 in there anywhere no. for whatever reason no. until later when you're like, oh, there I never knew about this episode yeah. <laughs> all those years ago. It was never shown. I still want to someday watch the, the, the Porygon episode of Pokemon oh, yeah. and I'll just shield my eyes when the seizure part yeah. comes. Well, I, I think, yeah, it's gone now, like. They redid it. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you could find a copy of it somewhere, but I mean, the internet exists. It's out there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Everything's out there somewhere, except for Mary-Kate and Ashley uh, in action. no, it's out there again now because somebody has now republished it Did somebody find it? Yeah, just a few months back. Oh. Um, Someone in our Discord let me know. Yeah. They dug it up from the same pit that the E.T. games were buried in. (laughs) Somebody dug it out of the pit. Someone opened that sarcophagus dusted it off, uploaded it on YouTube, the entire series. So, yeah. Gross. Do you ever, like, wonder, though, because, like, you know, I don't have epilepsy, I've never had a seizure, but, like, I'm always wondering, if I watch that Porygon episode, is this going to be the one? Like, <laughs> is this going to be the way I find out that I can have a seizure? You know, do you, does that ever cross your mind? You know, I, I've had a seizure before after my accident, like when I was still in yeah. the hospital, not an epileptic one, but I, so whenever like flashing lights come on the TV, I'm always wary. Like I've never had an epileptic seizure, but I'm always worried that this is going to be the the trigger that takes yeah. me out. Like when we were playing Donkey Kong Country on Twitch and that, that bird holding the light, that I was I was getting a little scared. Oh, I was getting yeah. scared because like it was doing something to me. Like my eyes were really starting to hurt. I started feeling really nauseous. I was like, "Uh oh, this is the one. This is where it happens, and everyone's gonna see see it happen live." But I made it through. So we both survived. 
But the main takeaway from the the uh, marshmallows here is that this was only the first of 12 volumes, Jeez. which is interesting to me that honestly, this series could continue further. Although since it got cut off at 2007, I don't think the anime is going to, but maybe the live action one did better. I'm not sure. That'd be interesting. So let's go and jump to the episodes we watched for today's show, starting with the very first one, Balsa, the Female Bodyguard. Season 1, Episode 1, where Balsa, a short spear warrior, takes jobs as a bodyguard. On her way into the city to repair her spear, she rescues a member of the royal family and finds herself meeting the mother of the boy she saved. Wait, what's supposed to be short? Because neither her nor her spear are very short. It's a short, short dash spear. So it's saying she's a short spear warrior, so but I don't spears. know, like, do spears get longer than that? It seems like a pretty long yeah, spear. Yeah, it's like as long as she is. How long does the spear have to be to just be called a spear? That's <laughs> yeah. odd. And Lava Jesus forbid that we find out what a, a large spear is. Yeah, what is a long spear like? That is like a football field in length. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it, this was a... Uh, I was, I, okay, so I had no idea what this was going to be like. I'm just like, okay, anime. Is this going to be serious anime? Is this going to be funny anime? And it was like, I guess more, more in the serious realm, that like there wasn't really funny bits to it, but it was like a, it was probably one of the more subtle action kind of animes ever. Like there was a lot of tension in this thing. Like, I feel like more tension than action, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, there's some action, but, like, um, especially when we talk about a few specific scenes in this episode and the next episode, like, it, it's a lot more tense because of the situations and, and what's being said in the dialogue and everything. And that was interesting because that was not what I expected to see. So I was kind of, like, expecting one of two things and neither happened. And I was like, oh, but this is still very interesting. When you put out all the pieces here where it's like a spear-wielding bodyguard um, lady and then this prince who has who ha is possessed by this water spirit and has like at least what we see like mild supernatural powers, it seems like there would have been a lot more action or it would have been because it is still labeled as an action yeah. anime. But to your point, it is so subtle. Like, this is one of the most serene animes that I've seen in a long time for something that has a setup like that. I gotta say, if it, it, the animation's gorgeous. It feels very, very Studio Ghibli-inspired, especially because the, the backgrounds are so intricately done. And oh, yeah. um, the, the character designs are um they're they're very simple like simple features and stuff but i mean everyone stands out like everyone has very distinct features and everything but everything just feels really soft like soft features soft color palettes to everything and it's just beautiful to look at i mean the the best way i can think of is it looks like a studio ghibli film but as an anime series and everyone seems very calm. Right? Even though some of the situations are tense, everyone's like, all right, let's let's consider this. Let's yeah. think about this. Let's sit back for a second and figure this out. Nobody, I didn't see, at least in the episodes we watched, anybody bursting out in anger or fear or anything like that. With the exception of maybe... Uh, maybe the prince. In the last episode, the prince, yeah. He bursts out in anger every once in a while because he's kind of spoiled. He's a spoiled little... That's true. Okay, so to describe this episode real quick, to walk through some of the plot, Balsa, this the female bodyguard we were talking about earlier, she has come back to Yogo Village after two years, 
Right now, she's just looking to get her her spear, her short spear, apparently fixed or repaired because it's just like seen better days. It's wearing down. And I liked this line that stuck out to me almost right away where she is walking to the village and she crosses, comes across someone who's like, well, you know, you can get it fixed if you got the money for it. And she says, if you have money, life ends up being the same no matter where you go. However, if you don't have money, you learn to live your life according to where you are. I much prefer. I really like that line. Like you can tell this came from a well-written book. <laughs> she also at one point said that uh, she's not that young anymore because 30 is just around the corner. And I'm like, man, I feel that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that made me feel terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, dang. Ouch. But <laughs> yeah, but I totally get it. Uh, my wife, who just turned 30, was talking the other day about how like everything hurts now. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Yep. Welcome to 30. So as she's entering this village, uh, there's like a procession going on and she overhears that it's someone from the royal family. But the ox that is carrying uh, or pulling the carriage starts just freaking out. Not sure why. They're going across this bridge. It, it freaks out. It tips the carriage, which goes over the, the side of the bridge like it's, you know, it's wooden. It's brittle. It breaks. Prince falls out into the water, followed by carriage, followed by ox. And Balsa is just kind of looking around like, oh, dang, she, uh, man, her, her short spear, which I I feel bad. I feel like we're talking crap about her spear because her spear is cool. Her short spear has like um, a rope that's like attached to it. And I like this, like how just ingenuitous, ingenuity-ish. I don't know what this word would be. Um, This thing is she ties the, the rope around her, throws a spear um, across this river to a tree, like embeds it in the tree and then jumps into the water after him. I'm like, oh, dang, like how smart. What was interesting, though, is when she jumps in, grabs hold of the prince and is trying to um, swim to get him out like this huge wave, I think, caused by maybe the ox finally falling in or whatever goes to overtake them. They get like surrounded in like a almost like a protective bubble for just um, a few seconds as the huge wave goes over before it releases and she can pull him to safety and like you know i i like that it does not tell us what that was about because we are just as confused as she is because she's just she has no idea what that was and she's just not about to start asking people questions because of her station she's just this you know this outlander that arrived to this town this is a prince uh, you can't even in this society, you're not even supposed to look them in the, in the eyes without maybe losing your life. No, no, no. It's, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to look them in the eyes because it's said that you will go blind. Yeah. Well, that's not going to be look them in the eyes. Yeah. That wouldn't be fun either. The Royal family. If a commoner does. It, it's just like, there is, um, there's just a lot going on to this thing. And so she's just like, yeah, I'm not going to be asking questions. She just. You know, gets him out. She wants to go on her way. She goes to like a tavern and stuff. And these people start looking for her because they think they're like, oh, some some big warrior dude saved him. Do you know anything about this? He had a spear and you have a spear. You know, uh, she's just like, eh, nope. So then they're like, OK, you don't know anything. We should probably just kill you now. Seemed like a leap. You wouldn't happen to know anything about this warrior. Afraid not. That's what I thought. I suggest you forget what you just heard. Yeah, basically, like, getting rid of witnesses. Yeah, <laughs> like, you've already heard this this story, that, or this, like, uh, what we've heard. 
and no one has the right to know, I guess, that's a right. commoner. So we're just going to have to kill you now. Um, in doing so, that's where we get to see the the small amount of action that we got to see here in this episode, which was her like wielding the spear and able to take on. She probably could have taken on all four of these men, but she only had to take out two of them. And then the others were like, <laughs> OK, no, fine. Like, you're the person. They're like, this is, it cool, was a test. Cool, that's all. It was a test. So trust us. We're emissaries for the royal family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting, too, is when we say, um, you know, she took them out, she does not kill them. She just kind of, you know, incapacitates them so that they stop fighting her. The, the tip of her spear is still covered by the, the cloth, the protective cloth. So she's not fighting to kill. She's just incapacitating. Yeah. And that's like super important to her story that um, she isn't killing people. Man, it, it's there's a lot of complexities to this thing, like with everybody's stories and stuff like that. And it's just really interesting. She gets taken to the palace where she gets like the, the fancy treatment. And I'm like, dang, man, I'm jealous because that place looks great. And then in the middle of the night, the second queen or second empress, whatever you want to call her, and the prince show up to thank her in the middle of the night and then kind of give her the exposition of, of like what's going on and is just kind of saying, you know, the, the queen's almost like pleading with her without pleading, just kind of, I guess, more so informing her of this situation because like, hey, I'm about to force you into a situation here uh, based on this situation. The prince has had all these assassination attempts made against him, and what you rescued him from was another one. And it was kind of like, you know, what we talked about earlier as the premise for the show. This this guy called a, was it a star reader? Yeah. Um, said that he was possessed by a this spirit, and his, uh, the emperor, the Mikado emperor, ain't cool with it. And uh, he's just like, hey... I'm going to send my dudes. We we got to make sure this kid's dead. So, yeah. Even though that's his father. And so the the queen is in trying to protect him. Basically, Volan tells Balsa. It's like, okay, listen, please, like, just watch him as a bodyguard. Watch him with your life and or and um and get him out of here. We'll give you get him out of here. We'll give you all these riches. And she's like, well, first of all. You know, thanks for forcing me into a situation that I can't really say no yeah, to. Thanks, jerk. She's like, "Yeah, you're right, because I'll kill you. I have to kill you if you <laughs> say <laughs> exactly. no." It's like, well, this sucks. Why do I keep putting myself in situations where it's either do it or die? If someone of my low social status hears a story like the one you've told me, that person has no choice but to agree to your request. But even after accepting that request, survival could never be guaranteed. And so, <laughs> she ends up like obviously having to agree to it, but it kind of works out with her uh, personal character story as well, because she, we find out that she is in a situation where she had to take out eight people that she cared about in the past for unknown reasons. And what she's trying to do to make amends is to be, to protect, to be a bodyguard for eight other individuals whose lives equal those that were lost. And the prince is going to be her eighth. So this will be kind of resolving her personal dilemma. And I think it's really interesting too, just like the amount of, of thought that got put into her responses and everything here of, you know, just the fact that I can't say no to this because if I do, then I know too much and you're going to kill me. So you really put me in a position where I have to say yes so the fact that you're thanking me and everything is pointless. Like, why are you thanking me and asking me to do this when really I don't have a choice? 
Yeah, and plus I can't I can't take this money either that you've given me because this has like royal markings all over it, so they'll suspect us right away and hunt me down. So here, let me just take what I can and go. Yeah, I was gonna say you think about like uh somebody of like, you know, let's say her station who wears you know, not quite rags, but, you know, she's not wearing shiny clothes. She's not a noble person. And if she shows up somewhere paying for something with, like, jewels and, like, stuff with, you know, the the court emblazoned on it, like, they're going to suspect her, if not of what's actually happening, but of being a thief right away anyway. So it's like she'd be doomed if she took anything. So like, yeah, the queen really screwed her over. Yeah. So she's in like a, she, she's in a situation she can't really talk herself out of or get out of unless she were to really kill the queen, the prince and all seven men who were in the room, which she probably yeah. could have. But again, this works out in her favor um, just based on what her personal goals are. So she decides to do it, tells them to light the prince's room on fire and help her escape. Yeah, and that's exactly. where the episode wraps up. Which moves us on to the second episode of today's show, which was The Swordsmith, Season 1, Episode 8. And this was the highest rated. Balsa and Chagung visit a great swordsmith to get a new blade for Balsa's spear. The swordsmith agrees to forge her a new blade once he is convinced that she did not kill the prince. So this is good because it connects us, even though it's eighth episode, it connects us to the first one where her mission was, I just want to <laughs> get my spear fixed. And this is the episode where she finally is able to start doing so, or at least is on the path to do so. I'm... It's really interesting to me that this is the highest rated episode because this episode is the majority of it is just exposition between this um, this blacksmith, this uh, swordsmith and Balsa or also the swordsmith and these two warriors like the, the majority of the, ep the episode is just dialogue, but it's so interesting. This is my favorite episode out of the ones we watched, honestly, so I get it. Right? Isn't that strange? It's just like what you're getting here, the perspective that you go into the show with, this episode is one of the highlights of it because, again, it's not an action-heavy show, so you're not looking for the episode where it's like, oh, it has the best right. battle or whatever. It's like, no, the best, the, the best interactions, at least from what I had seen, were in this episode. Character development and giving us some backstory. Um, and plus, the tension was there, too, that was really exciting to see. So there, it had a little bit of everything for such a condensed, like, tiny episode, or at least the space that was used was very condensed. Yeah, she goes to this guy who she has seen in the past and wants, um, you know, her spirit fixed, as we talked about. You know, he shared his you know, his concerns that, you know, he's heard some pretty nasty things about her, some rumors that Balsa has become a criminal, that she burned down the palace, that she killed the prince. I feel like his suspicions were raised pretty quickly because Chagum, like, Im immediately is just like, insolent, and like, starts yelling, and she has to <laughs> shush him. I'm like, wow, he showed his hand real quick. They're saying you'll do anything for money. A criminal. According to rumors, it was a certain female bodyguard who's responsible for burning down the palace and killing the prince. Insolent! Balsa would never do anything of that That's nature! Enough. But he's still unsure and he's suspicious. And this this dude is a, a guy of, of honor and he's just kind of like, you know that I create the weapons for the court if you have done the things that you're accused of, I have to turn you in. And she's of the mindset of, well, I'm going to sit here until you fix my spear. 
And so they're, they're kind of at a stalemate because he doesn't want to turn her in. He just feels like he has to because it's a matter of honor. But he has other people coming in. So he makes her and Chagum go to this back room, but then like kind of traps him in there by shoving this wooden rod against the door, like under the handle and everything so that they can't get out. Um, and the people that come in are two warriors that I would assume are Mikado warriors, especially based on the next episode that we watch um, and the people they associate with. So they come in and he starts kind of just, you know, talking with them and everything. And, oh man, I was, th there's this one part that I was just, it was so tense because real early, like we're not that far in and we know that they're in that back room and they came in to pick up their new swords and he's just like, um, oh yeah, those new swords are in this back room. So they start walking back there and Balsa picks up the sword and she's washing through the eye hall, just ready to, to do it, to kill these dudes. And I'm like, no, yeah, she's holding it. She's holding it up against the door, ready to strike. And then like the tension is great because right, it cuts it off right here. He's like, but before you do that, <laughs> oh. and then that's where the episode really kind of starts. Because he's he's asking them like what to them makes uh, you go in swords, which is um, Yogo is the city they're still in. You go in swords. What makes them unique? And one of them says they're flexible enough to prevent from breaking, but also hold an incredibly sharp edge. One of them says it's the um, the being refined over a thousand years, the shape, the curve, the heft. And then in uh, the the blacksmith says like in other countries. Uh, weapons are nothing but like um, tools of war. And in Yogo, the tradition of warriors and blacksmiths working together goes back a long time where trust is a key element. And his dream is to create the ultimate sword. But the ultimate sword for him would not be the ones he's creating now, which are used, which are, I guess, fill people with the urge to use it on others, which makes them evil. So his ultimate weapon would be one that kills no one and in doing so frees these people of their fate. So the irony of these him making weapons that are being used to hurt others is something that he doesn't want to be associated with and wants to make one for someone who wouldn't use it for those that sake. Right, exactly. That leads into like them them having a, a deeper conversation where he tells a story that we we kind of come to figure out is basically homage to Balsa's story, but he has changed the the gender of the character he's telling the story about to being a man. And makes it sound like this story took place, you know, years said ago. said 24 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of like talking about um, sort of like Balsa's journey, but but talking about, you know, being betrayed by their closest friends and having to kill eight of their closest friends who were hunting this warrior down and all these things. And that they also ended up with like a child in their care that was of like royal descent that, you know, they, they didn't necessarily want to have them in their care, but out of necessity, they were forced to, you know, take care of this child and, and everything that was not theirs. And I, I, it was just really interesting because we were getting like, even though it wasn't like the perfect tale, it wasn't the perfect backstory giving us everything about Balsa. It's it's enough that we get an idea of what Balsa's been through through this tale, tale he's telling that obviously has some changes and embellishments and everything, which was really, really cool. 
And then we get the uh, warriors who are there kind of telling a similar story and then showing compassion towards the warrior and uh, then, you know, kind of just walking out in agreement. The the blacksmith goes and gets the swords himself, doesn't give Balsa and Shagum up, and they leave satisfied. But before they go, we get another moment of tension where one of the warriors notices her spear wrapped up, like, to the side. And he's just like, why would you work on the weapon of, like, a, a common soldier or whatever? Because that's, I guess, who uses spears. And he's like, uh, you know, if it pleases me, I'll work on anything, even Spears. And that's where it kind of backs off of the tension because the guy's just like, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. Basically, I can tell what kind of I can I get a good sense about your character. So, yeah, I we're just going to go. And so that it's a lot of like leading up to these like these really tense moments. And then there's just backing off very calmly and that at that point, the blacksmith, yeah, you're sweating <laughs> a little bit. But at that point, the blacksmith says like uh you know what or he tells balsa that i'm satisfied i've heard both sides of the story and i'll have your spear in seven days your new spear yeah and that's where we kind of wrap up the the reason that he kind of goes to believe balsa's story is because the the one of those warriors was lamenting the idea that hey your tale's really similar to something that did just happen with this woman who wields a spear who um you know had the prince or or whatever and you know basically was they they told the truth basically of of what happened they did not tell the rumors that are going around they basically said yeah she was running off with the prince blah 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 but you know she's dead now she died a few days ago so like yeah obviously from context clues something had happened in a previous episode to lead everyone to think that her and the prince were both killed. But these warriors were just kind of lamenting that idea of like, you know what? You know, we we were supposed to kind of hunt her down, but like, you know, she didn't really do anything wrong. She actually was pretty honorable and it, that's just too bad. You know, it sucks. So, yeah, that was really the thing that convinced him that okay, I've I've heard, you know, enough. I believe you now and He's like, yeah, in seven days, I'll fix, I'll have a new spear for you because it couldn't be fixed. He had to make a new one. Um, and then she gets one and it looks very pretty. It's really shiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a great episode, which leads us to the last episode, The Ancient Village. He's one episode 18, which was a Patreon pick by Semantic. So thank you. Thanks, bud. And this one, Chagum, Balsa, Tonda, and Toro Guy travel to Tomi Village in the hope of learning the ancient story of the water spirit. So we get a lot more in this episode kind of teaching us about what's going on with the egg that's inside of Chagum, what he's possessed by. So we also get to see the star reader, the white-haired dude who the empress, the mother, swears is like an honorable man. But you can tell like right away, this guy's not no. as honorable as he seems. He just doesn't <laughs> look, he looks like a villain. And like, this is like... He is with those other two gentlemen from the episode we had just watched, the the warriors, and then some others hunting down Chagum and uh, Balsa to, I I guess, well, not, I don't know if their intention is to kill them or just to, like, capture them. I mean, uh, ultimately, yeah. they're going to kill them, but the Star Reader specifically says not to kill them if on sight, like, to mm -hmm. wait until he gets there because he has questions for them. And uh, this was interesting, too, because, like, really, really early on, we see Chagum 
talking about how he's worried because I guess he's heard rumor that his brother, which I, we, I mean, you and I wouldn't have known yet that he had a brother. So I guess it's, I'm assuming the emperor's child with another empress. I, I'm assuming, I'm not sure, unless it is with the, the same empress and we just never met him. Um, but his brother Sagum is um, rumored to be dead. So he wants to go back to the palace and Balsa's is just like, no, there's no way we're going back there. It's not going to happen. But his brother, I just want to say real quick, uh, Sagum voiced by Johnny Young Bosch, just in case uh, you want to know. I, I love him. But yeah, so he's he's real been out of shape out of that. And what we learn later is because they're they're kind of venturing into these cliffs and everything like through past this kind of sort of dead looking village through these paths uphill through the cliffs and Chagum's really having a, a hard time um, getting through everything. Cause you know, he's kind of a spoiled prince kind of archetype and you know, it, it's tough for him. He's not used to all of this hardship and physicalness and everything. And, and Tonda offers to carry him, but Balsa's like, no, he can do it. And so she's kind of making him do his own thing, not, follow that like spoiled background that he comes from exactly but what i liked here was this uh interesting conversation between balsa and tonda once he was sleeping and then toro guy went off to find out the the correct path because she basically said oh we're lost even though Balsa knew that they weren't, but she did it just so the kid could have a little bit of rest. So I was like, oh, cute. Yeah. And so he could to save face, basically not hurt his pride by calling out that they need to rest. So, yeah. So while, while he is resting, Tonda and Balsa have this conversation where we learn a couple of really interesting things. One is, um, so, you know, we've mentioned before, he's got like the egg inside him. This egg is the egg of like this water spirit of something, you know, we don't know too much about it saying you and me from because, you know, lack of episodes that we've seen, but we, we learn of something that Balsa mentions about um, an egg eater. So we're like, okay, so there's something out there, something bad that aside from the Mikado that would be hunting him down, possibly that wants to maybe, you know, kill or steal or eat whatever's inside of him, whatever's growing inside of him. We also learned that his brother is dead, in fact, and they're trying to figure out <clears throat> they're trying to figure out when it would be the best time to tell him. So they're keeping that secret from him right now. And I'm like, oh man, that is totally gonna blow up in their faces at some point. Just knowing how stories usually go, that there's no way that's gonna go over well. Yeah, especially not with somebody who's possessed by a spirit that has supernatural elements to it. Like, is this when, like, he's going to have some uh, explosion of power or something? Yeah, who knows? But he's going to go into the Avatar state. <laughs> yeah, so they they get over to uh, Tomi Village where, like, we're seeing also, like, the... Um, uh, the star reader and the 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 small crew these with still hunting them down, and they're like they know that they've kind of determined that they're going to Tomi Village just based on their supplies being cut off and them having to go to the nearest village, et cetera, et cetera. For various reasons, they now know which way they're going and are on the hunt. So when they finally get there, we find out from like they meet this girl along the way who is the granddaughter of. It seems like the village leader. Yeah, like an elder or something. Uh-huh. And he tells them, like, we don't have any more story readers or um, 
I, I don't remember what term they used for it, but basically like storytellers uh, in the village anymore because like the, her grandmother was the, or his, was it his grandmother or his mother? I can't remember what, or I don't remember their relation, but yeah, she, she recently passed away and she was the last one because he doesn't want to put children through the like the whole process of becoming a village storyteller anymore, because that's like thousands of stories they have to memorize like all day and kind of re-recite and it's very taxing. And so he kind of retired it. Uh, so yeah. the, um, what's her name? Gosh, I keep forgetting your name. Uh, Tori guy. She's like shaming him for basically getting rid of like historical, like stories of the, of the village and everything. But luckily, we find out that his granddaughter had been listening to the stories that were being told by the previous storyteller, the one who passed away. And so she's able to kind of recite what she knows, at least in relation to this yeah. water spirit. Uh, and she, I think, was it she referred to it as Nyunga Rochaga? Yeah, Nyunga Rochaga is the egg carrier. Okay, so that would be the prince. Nyunga Roim is the spirit. Okay, so Roim is the spirit and Rochaga would be... Uh, Chagum. The spirit guardian, I guess. The guardian right. of the spirit, like the Got title. It. Um, So it, it, from the way they said it, it sounds like once every hundred years, the egg is laid and the village's job was to protect the guardian of the spirit. And, and sort of the way that they were, they were talking, it kind of sounded like at, at this point, maybe they don't quite really believe in it anymore. And that's also maybe sort of why some of the they were okay with letting some of that history go some of the storytelling and stuff like that because it it almost sounds like like kind of like an old wives tale sort of thing to them at this point because they are just telling it like it's a story like it's a myth like a legend like it, how we would tell stories of um you know if we were to talk about um zeus or odysseus or something like that you know well, yeah it, it's very much like that with the elements of, uh, you know, Nayunga Roim being the spirit who lives deep underwater and uh, uses a life force to that become clouds. And that's how they get rain. So it's very much like a, it seems like a simplified explanation of the natural elements. And the reason they want this egg to be hatched or this new uh, Rochaga to be uh, protected is because they want their rains to come back. They don't want to go into a drought period. Right, exactly. So they're just kind of telling the story, like, you know, really nonchalantly, you know, discussing it and everything. And then they're just kind of like, well, why are you so interested in it? And they also mention that there is like this other thing that wants to eat the egg. And they they spoke of another guardian that was a young boy that was like ripped open, like ripped in half to destroy the egg and stuff. Yeah, by claws that couldn't be seen by others, essentially. Yeah. So this is the Rarunga, which is like the egg-eating snake, basically, also taking the form of, of another human. And that is the... I mean, we don't know exactly like who that person is going to be. My assumption would be either the emperor or... More specifically, the star reader seems a like a pretty good candidate to me. Yeah, it, it, I was thinking it might be Shuga, possibly the white-haired guy. Yeah, the star reader. Yep. No, 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 not the star reader. The younger guy, the younger guy with the white hair. Yeah, that's the star reader. The star reader is the older guy that was with them. He's old and he's got like the beard. No, the star reader is the guy with the long white hair. Oh, I thought the star reader was the old guy. No, I think that's just one of the generals or something. 
Hmm, let me see. No, they're listed as separate people on IMDb. First episode, she was talking about Shuga as a star reader who was predicting, like, what's going, like, telling Falsehoods. her what's going on with their Falsehoods. son. So that's why. They're star reader and then there's Shuga. Let me see. Let me see who Shuga is then. Maybe he's a star reader. And we're getting caught up in the weeds here, but I'm very curious now because I had gone this whole time. Oh, the other guy is the master star reader. Oh. So it might be someone that Shuga reports to. That's right, because that's part of the story we heard in the first one where Shuga, the star reader, goes and t- talks to the master star reader about it. And that's how it gets to the emperor that his son has that egg inside of him. So, okay, that, that clears it up. That's right. That makes more sense. Whew. So yeah, yeah, I, we agree then. Yeah, it's it might be Shuga. Yeah, same person. Same person. Yes. But yeah, it, it it all caused like here in the the story, Chagum like basically has a panic attack and then passes out, and they're like, "What's wrong with him?" And they're like, "Uh, yeah, he's the guardian." And then like the village people are like, you know, YMCA. No, not those village people. The people of this village like were like, "What?" And then the, the episode just kind of ends. So yeah. Because it's like you're seeing Chagum like responding to the story. Like they don't know at the time that he is this egg carrier, but he's just listening and you're seeing his eyes widen and he's like getting worried because they're like, yeah, he has to go off on a journey by himself for the rest of his life and like into solitude. And he's like, oh, that doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, he might get ripped in half by an unseen snake. And yeah, that part, that's when he snaps. He's like, oh my God, is that going to happen to me? And then he just passes out. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, oh, that was weird. That was the one like semi-funny moment in the show. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where it wrapped up for us. Exactly. Yes. Well, Chris, looks like it's about time we send our inner kids to Yogo Village to serve as additional bodyguards to the prince and maybe see if they can go back to the palace and get the riches that Balsa left behind. Then find out what they thought of Morbido, Guardian of the Spirit. This cartoon looked so cool, but it had so much talking. There's so many swords and spears, but no stabby stab? I'm going to make sure my bodyguard mommy pokes way more holes than my enemies. Balsa is the coolest. And this show got me thinking that maybe my mom makes me eat eggs every morning so that I can eventually become the next Noyunga Rochaga, which will then lead to me getting my own bodyguard to protect me from the bullies who pick on me at school. That also could be why she stores that giant spear in the closet. Either way, thanks, Mom. Hopefully she just keeps the invisible snakes away. Uh, that, that's all I ask. Yeah. So far, so good. I'm still alive. Invisible snakes sound terrifying. I, don't, I hate that idea. Invisible snakes. That's the worst. I mean, they said invisible claws. Oh, so I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know if it's like just like what the form of this thing is. I mean, they did refer to a serpent, but it's like, but serpents with claws. So I guess it's a lizard. It's an invisible lizard. It's a chameleon. Is what it is. Or it's like one of those, like, uh, I don't know what the race is, but those, like, snake, uh, those anthropomorphic, like, snake people from, I know they're in He-Man. They're probably even in, uh, are they Naga? Is that what it is? Naga? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. They're in World of Warcraft. Yeah, that and and D&D, I think they have some form, too. Either way, I'm getting, I I keep getting distracted, but. (laughs) Yanti? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Could be. Could be. So, yeah, I'm thinking maybe that. That'd be cool if one of those showed up. But what are some of the things that you liked about this show? 
So the animation, like you were talking about earlier, is top-notch, like just about on par with an anime movie, which is a very nice surprise for a series. Yes. Oh, man, it was beautiful. Like, just, uh, I, I wasn't sure, like, from the opening, um, you know, song or whatever, I was kind of like, eh. But, man, some of those first scenes you see, especially of her approaching the village and just seeing all the scenery in the background, I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Yeah. Like, where's this been? That, along with the the really peaceful soundtrack that it had going on, like, it, I, I don't know that there were ever moments where it, like, really got exciting because there wasn't a lot of, like, chasing or anything going on. Everything was, like, very slow-paced. But it was such a peaceful soundtrack. I really enjoyed that as well. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even think about the the music like i i guess it just kind of washed over me because i felt like i i think everything fit together really well so that like all of the elements were there and and just fit like perfect pieces of a puzzle and uh yeah i was just so engrossed into it when we were watching um just the sounds the 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 dialogue the look and feel of everything like they really nailed an aesthetic here that I feel like few very, very much like um, few out there accomplish. Yeah. That took me a minute to figure out what I was going to say. <laughs> and there, there were a lot of very still somber moments, especially for an anime still labeled as action, which is miles apart from the over the top fast moving slug fest that I'm used to watching when it comes to anime. So this was kind of like drinking a nice hot cup of chamomile tea when you're used to loading up on espresso shots and Red Bull. Like, it's that kind of, like, comparison. That is a super good, like, um, analogy. Like, I kept thinking, like, this is, like, a um, an anime where you could take any, like, scene of it and just put, like, a little, like, the little lo-fi girl music to it. Yes. And it would fit. It would fit perfectly. Totally. And the last thing on that is the Swordsmith episode was definitely a standout to me, even though it was basically all contained only in his workshop and relied solely on dialogue. I think that's just the beauty of the quality character building and tension done right in this show. I, I agree with that, too. I think that the the character development, for one, is is fantastic. And what's interesting, too, is like we we've only gotten bits and pieces of some of the characters, but you can tell it's just the tip of the iceberg with some of them. Whereas the ones that we have gotten to spend more time with, like Balsa, and we've gotten to learn a little bit more about them, even like knowing more, like I'm still really intrigued to spend more time with that character and and understand more about them and their state of mind um because they're very the, the stories are so intricate and so finely balanced along with all of the politics of this world and the complications each of these characters face because of like the the states that they're in with um you know the the prince being like the the egg bearer thing and his own dad wanting them to kill him balsa having to protect him but can't kill anybody because of this you know oath that she's kind of sworn to herself that she's kind of making penance because of what she's done in her past and it's just i don't know it, it's just so many things just very intricately woven like like a little pretty basket like a little straw basket <laughs> <laughs> yeah i loved it was there anything you didn't like about the show Yes, there was one thing very specifically I did not like, but uh -oh. it's very it's very specific, 
But first, I want to ask you, did you watch the sub or the dub? I watched the dub. Okay. So, you will know this. Whenever someone is not in focus, there's a really bad echo effect on their voice. Like they're speaking into a metal bowl, and it sucks. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, in the last episode especially, and I wonder if it was just the resolution or the quality that the the version we were watching was. Because I was thinking that a lot in the last episode. I don't think so, because I noticed it was in all three episodes, and it was only on the dialogue when somebody was not the main point of focus like on the screen. So I think it was an effect that the audio engineer was using to try and establish like distance between, you know, the character and like this person being like somewhere else, let's say in the room or something like that. So like trying to add a little bit more like resonance or something. But instead of like reverb, they used like echo and it was a very metallic sounding echo in it. And they use the same effect no matter like what place they're in. So if they're in a cave, if they're in a house, even if they're out like outside open doors, there shouldn't be reverb. You still got this metallic reverb on their voice and it was garbage. <laughs> I was like, oh, gross. Like, why? Why do they all sound like Al from Full Metal Alchemist whenever they're not on screen? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. That was dumb. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't notice it that much. Not to the point that it bothered me. It was just more of a distraction every once in a while. Like, huh, that's kind of weird. But I'm engrossed in this. So I'm, I'm, it doesn't bother me to the point where I would even have mentioned it, honestly. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like in the sub, I'm assuming, uh, and I don't know this because I don't know if it exists. I don't know if they did that in the sub, but in the dub, I'm like, oh, man, it was just a really odd choice and it was not a good one. And it didn't doesn't change the story. It doesn't ruin anything. It doesn't detract from anything. It was just annoying and one of those things that's just like in, in a series where everything else was extremely polished. It was weird that this one thing stuck out like a sore thumb. But yeah, that, that was really the only thing I think that I had any issue with. I this one I felt like it was going to be a little too slow for me at first but once I better understood the story I got really in, in I got really invested into it uh so much so that I restrained from spoiling any of the major plot points that weren't covered in the episodes we watched which is kind of rare for me cuz usually I try to at least partially fill in the gaps for myself by reading into the plots of some of the in between episodes before we start recording but I decided with this one that I'd rather actually experience it from start to finish and not know how all these things are connected. So long story short, my one dislike based on the slower pacing actually did a 180 and became a huge compliment to the story itself being that intriguing. Yeah, I, I can completely agree with that because at first in the first episode, I, I felt like after a while it was moving kind of slow. But later on, I started to appreciate that for sure. Mm hmm. So what would you give this show? Well, to be honest, I really enjoyed this anime. Um, like I said, the pacing did feel a little slow at first, but it ended up being really welcome as opposed to some of the other shows that we've been watching. It takes its time to tell the story and really flesh out the world. And it, and it lets you just take in all the beautiful animation and background and everything like that. Like it, it gives you breathing room to just take it all in and live in the world as all the events unfold. 
it's definitely one that I want to watch the rest of. Like you said, you know, I don't want to spoil it for myself. I really wanted to to get in, watch it from beginning to end, and I do plan on doing it. So I gave Morabito four and a half bowls of egg inside of you cereal out of five. <laughs> After watching this show, it honestly made me look inward a little bit at my own life, which I have a habit of loading full of activities, whether productive or not, that caused me to burn out very quickly. So, so often we try to move at such a fast pace to feel like we're not wasting time, or at least me personally, that I rarely stop to smell the roses along the way. And for today, at least, this show was my rose because I appreciated the calmness of it so much compared to what we usually watch or more specifically what I usually watch and or play, which is always fast paced and like heavy into combat and whatever. And I appreciate that still. But I rarely give time to things like this, and so I'm glad I did. All that said, I'd give Morbido Guardian of the Spirit five big bowls of Eternal Water Spirit Egg cereal out of five, and obviously think it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I, I am really excited to honestly just sit down and just watch it. And, and one of those things, too, where it's like it's a good one for just relaxing and watching. Like, it's, it's one that I just want to put my feet up, you know, lay back watch it, maybe even take, you know, the, the laptop outside, watch it in the hammock or something like that. Like it's just so chill, just such a chill thing to do. It is. It's, it's a nice palate cleanser for fast paced action animes that I've been watching at least. Now watch this. This is going to be really funny. Watch. We're going to get all these, um, comments later on. They're like, Oh my God, what are you talking about? Like every other episode that you didn't watch is just action packed. (laughs) <laughs> like just high octane high octane so gory so much blood and gore yeah. <laughs> it's like man like it, it makes afro samurai look rated g yeah yeah i'm waiting to get those responses but whatever hey everyone don't forget to check out the nerd sloth store to see all the cool merch over there uh we do update the store with one or two new items every month to keep things fresh and to keep you looking fresh so uh there's lots of stuff available also, for our patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdsloth, like bonus episodes, a huge back catalog of other shows, and we're actually just going to be setting up for a live Q&A right after we finish recording this. So, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff over there. And uh, thank you all for leaving ratings and comments whenever you can. That really helps us gain momentum and get our show out there to new ears, which has been proven as we've been climbing up those rankings on apps like Good Pods. And speaking of that, we also have a nice five-star review here on Apple by Amazing Anime Lord, which seems like very appropriate to read for this episode that we just did. So that's great. They say, love it. I adore this podcast. The opinions are so fresh and great. Wow, I use the word fresh has popped up a whole lot in the last few minutes here. If I were to recommend a show, it would be Lego Monkey Kid. Despite being a Lego show, I found it very surprising. Anyway, I love the podcast and keep up the great content. Thank you very much. I, I like I'm humbled to be, you know, standing before the amazing anime lord. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. And especially being deemed fresh by the anime lord himself. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, man, I can't wait to tell people that we're fresh. yeah since this show told us that 30 is very old yeah oh dang but we're fresh now that makes me (laughs) feel but so much better about my life i feel rejuvenated yeah i have never heard of that i've never heard of that show me neither uh monkey kid yeah 
but once we once we open up the um the uh list again we can add that to it but as we've said before right now it's 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 closed off right now. We're not taking new submissions at the moment just so we can try to, <laughs> you know, at least catch up a little bit. I think we've got a couple hundred to go before that happens, but, but we're working on it, you know, at, with the help of our amazing editor, Jack, who, uh, with his help, we can now do this weekly again. So, um, big, big thank you to Jack who, uh, is going to have a real fun time editing this episode. Cause we had a real hard time getting through some of the names earlier. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> uh, and also, thank you to MF Mad for suggesting this. It had never even crossed my radar, so I I know that I wouldn't have watched it had this not been suggested, and now I'm very glad I did. Yeah, absolutely. Never heard of this in the slightest. I'm really glad it is now um, now something that exists in front of my face so that I can keep it in my face. And watch more of it. And now, like, with all the egg talk, like, I feel like I need to just keep eating eggs. I'm going to eat eggs while I watch this thing. Even though that's, it seems weird. Eggs and water. That's what it is. I'm going to drink water and eat eggs. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that was really surprising and then sad oh. to me. Oh, uh, okay. This, this came out in 2007, which was oh. 15 oh. years ago. <sighs> like, to me, when I think the 2000s, I'm still thinking like, oh, it's not that long ago. 15 years that is almost half of our life ago stop it we're <laughs> yeah. fresh now stop. Oh, yeah i forgot sorry sorry we're fresh i heard i'm fresh <laughs> and you can't change that you can't take this away from me okay we got to stay fresh we got to stay fresh stay fresh speaking of fresh <clears throat> well listeners it looks like our milk supplies now run dry so it's time for us to say goodbye and next week we'll be watching chip and dale rescue rangers so that we can stay fresh. <laughs> We're talking about the new one, folks. The new one. The brand new movie. I've I've already seen this, and I'm very excited. Have you seen it yet or no? No, no. I'm going to come in so fresh. I'm so excited for you to watch it, and <laughs> there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, I can't wait, because I've seen, I've seen a few clips here and there, and every clip I've seen has me so excited to finally sit down and watch this thing, because it looks great. <laughs> Just... The commentary I've seen on some, uh, a few specific things had me cracking up. So I'm like, oh my God, it's like they made this movie for the hosts of this podcast. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's for those uh, old 30 year olds. Yeah, it's for those fresh 30. Those fresh new 30 year olds. 30 somethings. Yeah, those fresh almost 40 year old men. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. We'll see you next Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.